From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 280. Today's show is brought to you by Hollow, ExpressVPN, and Booz Allen. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined by Jason Snow. Hi, Jason Snow. Hi, Mike Hurley. How are you? I'm fine and dandy, my friend. Fine and dandy. Uh, I have a hashtag Snow Talk question. Comes from James this week, and James wants to know, Jason, what is your favorite gluten-free beer? Oh, my. Well, this is a very targeted question, isn't it? So It is. You're the man. You're the man with the answer. For those who don't know, I uh, it's a long story that I am I don't enjoy at all. But uh, at the advice of my doctor, I have been uh, told to not have gluten in my diet anymore. Uh, it's a lo- lot. I don't even want to get into it. People ask me, do you feel better? Because it's been like seven months now that I've been gluten-free. I was like, no, that's the problem. I have no symptoms. But they told me that I'm allergic to it. So, okay, great. Just stop drinking regular beer. Start drinking beer brewed with weird, weird, weird grains. And uh, I have tried a bunch of different ones, although a lot of people on Twitter were suggesting ones that are not available in California, which doesn't really help me. I'll, I'll look That's for them when I travel. But something I did find that was available in California actually comes from Canada, comes from Montreal. It is the hilariously named Glutenberg Brewery. I would drink this beer because the name is so good. It's it's great, and they have these little pint cans with uh, with uh, the kind of German writing on them that say Glutenberg. Anyway, the Glutenberg Stout is, Stout is my favorite uh, style of beer, and uh, the Glutenberg Stout is good. It's not great. It's not nearly as good as some of my favorite stouts back when I could have uh, gluten, but uh, it's good. And they have a uh, a ghost, which is a uh, uh, kind of a sit light uh, beer with sort of citrusy things in it. That's great, like legit, legitimately great. Like I would drink that um, whether or not I had a gluten thing because it's really good. Um, and and uh, so th- that's those are the two that I think are my favorites. I have tried others. Um, and I will share you share a last little bit of uh, trivia about this, which is I've gotten a lot of people say saying, have you tried these beers where they brew them normally and then they use this clarifying enzyme that removes the gluten from them which uh like omission does that and the stone gluten-free beer does that and the answer is technically those aren't gluten-free they have gluten in them they are very low in gluten because of the enzyme but there are still traces of gluten and if you're somebody who's just sort of like on a diet you can you can do that but um if you're somebody who is supposed to have zero gluten in their diet you you can't drink those beers it's not they're not really gluten-free. You need to drink a beer that's not brewed with wheat or barley. I guess that uh, it's the same as like non-alcoholic beer, right? There's still like a tiny amount of alcohol left because you can only remove so much yeah, of it, Yeah, and right? I don't know what the rules are for that or whether it's like it's yeah. it's it's uh, an acceptable level or not. But since this is technically an allergy, you're you're not supposed to increase the, you know, the no, it's thing like, that you're allergic I, to. I don't, like, it's not good for me to just have like a little bit of peanuts in the same way that it right. is for me to have lots right. of peanuts. Like, Only, just don't eat the peanuts. It, it, <laughs> what we do, Mike, with this peanut uh, beverage <laughs> is we make it with peanuts and then we have a chemical that removes most of the peanuts. And you're like, you know what? I am not going to have that. <laughs> yeah, I got to draw the line right there. Anyway, <laughs> I, I have been drinking a lot in terms of alcohol anyway. Uh, I can drink wine and I've been drinking more cider, but um, mm. just to get my alcohol. Cider's um, good. Cider's, there's lots yeah. of great options for cider. Sure. Yeah, but uh, you know. but I don't want to give up beer entirely. So anyway, there's your gluten-free beer talk. I endorse Glutenberg. Thank you, Canada. 
Thank you, Quebec. For everything. Quebec. If you would like to send in a hashtag Snail Talk question like James did, just send out a tweet with the hashtag Snail Talk and it may be included in a future episode. I have a couple of quick items. Well, one item for follow-up. We probably yep. have something to say about it. Uh, I ordered one of the Bridge Pro Plus keyboards. I All ordered right. one for my 11-inch. Mm. Uh, I believe I should get it within the next few weeks. I think they started shipping in February. Yep. So yeah, I, that's the one that I can see myself more frequently using the trackpad because my larger ipad i i do tend to use just at home so i use it as i spoke about last week with like a mouse in a stand but my 11 inch i treat more like a laptop right like it is my travel ipad it's like the one that i would take with me when i go work anywhere or i'm traveling anywhere so i can imagine wanting the integrated trackpad more there um but yeah so i ordered the 11 inch model all right interesting i um have hopefully a review unit coming uh off the assembly line i i only used the prototype so i'm curious yeah. to see what they what they tweak because the prototypes you know they're not quite right the firmware is not quite right and the uh and the even like the tension in the in the in the mounting clips and stuff is not always quite right so mm-hmm. i'm looking forward to seeing what a fully functional bridge pro plus is like at some time soon i don't know I, I wouldn't mind a review unit for my larger one though you know, oh sure say. You know, it's Mind. it's great when they send you stuff. Yeah, they have been pretty good about that stuff though in the past. But I'm really excited about it because, you know, I I as I said last week, I really am a proponent for the even the mouse support in its current form. I know that there's there are features that are lacking, and I know that like yourself, right? Like, do you think that it's it's maybe not that great? But like, I really value it now. Mm-hmm. Um, so would like to have that option more readily available to me. So I'm really excited well, about it. I mentioned you in my, not by name, in my Macworld story, I think last week, where I where I said that I wanted Apple. It was sort of keying off of what mm-hmm. we talked about last week, the idea that um, the mouse support should be better, but there's a lot you can do. And then, and then it might lead to Apple potentially doing something more than the smart keyboard for the iPad Pro if you could do better touch support you could or a pointing device support you could then put a a a pointer controller of some sort on a smart keyboard and that would be better for apple but one of the things i mentioned in passing is there's lots of different kinds of accessibility and i mentioned you not by name and just said that there's somebody i know who has um you know like rsi issues and Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, having pointing device for that person so they don't have to reach up and touch the screen. That's that's like a legitimate reason to do this kind of thing. So you you have a perfectly legitimate use of it. Whereas for me, I feel like when I try to use the, the mouse, um, I feel like I'm doing more harm to my arms <laughs> than good. But sure. everybody's body is different. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, if I use a mouse for too long... And it can cause me trouble. I just have to rotate my input methods. And that's why I really like having this as an option. All right. So should we do some upstream? Yeah. I feel like I'm in a really good place for upstream. Ladies and gentlemen, now live from Beverly Hills, it's upstream hosted by Mike Hollywood Hurley. That's a very good intro for, for upstream. And it's not a joke. I am sitting right now located in Beverly Hills, high in the hills of Beverly Hills. That's where I am right now, uh-huh. Jason. And I wanted to say that it's very funny driving around here, it, this kind of part of, of uh, Beverly Hills, LA, these kinds of areas, because there are billboards for TV shows everywhere. They are everywhere. Like every billboard is a television show. And that is 
I mean, I know you see advertising for this type of stuff in all big cities, but it is very. It feels very different here. Uh-huh. It feels much more like oppressive. Well, it's a com- it's a company town. It's an industry yes, town. Yes, it right? is. Oh yeah. I mean, we drove uh, that past like the Fox lot and stuff like that. Um, is it Century City? So like we've driven through there and we've seen some of that stuff when we was in a taxi. But uh, what I like is a lot of the billboards at the moment say, for your consideration, yes. which is funny. Right, mm-hmm. they're appealing to the Academy. Come on, Academy, give us the awards. Yeah. So, speaking of which, you got to be in Beverly Hills in in Hollywood, let's say more mm-hmm. or less, for this morning's as we record this Academy Award nominations. Did you? Yeah. I'm reporting live. <laughs> get any? I don't know. Did you get any nominations yourself? Still waiting. Okay. I'm still waiting All to right. see. Uh, they told oh. me to call me, so okay. I'm waiting on that. Well, one. Bad news: the ones for this year are already out. So oh, don't hold your breath. You're going to have to wait at least one more year for your Oscar nomination. Uh, I'll keep working on it. But Netflix, so Netflix, as you would assume, are leading the Academy Award nominations because they produce the most movies of all of the streaming companies that we work, that we talk about, right? Like, uh, you know, Amazon, Apple, they have some, but Netflix really, and especially in 2019, really pushed with movies, original movie content. Mm-hmm. Um, they have 10 nominations for The Irishman. Um, and Marriage Story as well received a bunch. And these are the two movies, I think, that have occupied uh, the vast majority of the water cooler conversation, right? Like, I feel mm-hmm. like I've seen a lot of people talking about these. I've only seen The Irishman, um, which I I am predisposed to love this movie because I Martin Scorsese's movies are among my very favorite movies of all time, mm-hmm. especially when they feature De Niro and Pesci. Right, mm-hmm. and like that, they, they are absolutely my favorites, and so I, I actually really enjoyed The Irishman. It is not, you know, it is not Goodfellas, like Goodfellas. It is not right, right. but it is a very, very good movie. Um, the special effects in that movie, where they're doing a lot of aging, it's really impressive. But I still can't help but notice it all the time sure. because I'm aware of the truth. And so I find it distracting still, even though this was like, you could fool me. And there were points where I was definitely fooled watching this movie, thinking that like, oh, this is Joe Pesci now, but no, this is like Joe Pesci, what he would have looked like 15 years ago. Like it is very, very impressive. This is the most impressive of that technology, the use of that technology that I've seen, but I still can't help but be aware of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. That's always that's always the debate with de aging and with virtual characters. Like I was just listening over the weekend to um, the Flophouse guys were on, or Elliot Kalin anyway was on the Star Wars Minute a couple months ago, mm-hmm. and they were talking about Rogue One, and they were um, talking about the Peter Cushing, you know, double that they used there. And there was it's that great debate of like if people people don't know, you may you may not notice, you may let it go by you. And then other people know. And once you know, you kind of can't not see it, but it, it's a, yep. it, but, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it, it might be on us for, for looking for it or for being like, I'm so aware oh, of this actor that I'm aware, me. I'm aware if I'd never seen this actor before, I wouldn't know whether they had been maybe aged up or aged down or whatever. But instead I know exactly what these actors look like at various phases of their life. And it's, it's a challenge. Can I ask you about this, actually? Because there's, there's also a really interesting... Um, it's called, like, In Conversation With on Netflix. It's just, like, a 25-minute DVD extra, basically, of uh, Pacino, Pesci, uh, De Niro, and Scorsese sitting down, and they're talking about the movie. Uh-huh. And they talk about this technology a lot, and they touch on the idea of, you know, like, 
if we didn't have this technology, we wouldn't have, be able to do this movie and we'd have to have somebody younger come in and we'd have to teach them to be like us and like like to act like us. Right. And they were like, that doesn't work the same way. And I kind of wonder, what is your, this is maybe a little bit of a hot button issue, I don't know, but what is your general feel on this type of technology, this like de-aging technology? Do you think that it is like holding back younger actors because my kind of feeling on this is like i understand that argument where they're like oh if you're using all this technology to make people younger or older you are holding back the roles from other people but my i understand that but i feel like these days there are more opportunities for more movies than there's ever been before but right so it's like it's a bit of a weird it's like a weird thing that's happening right now, but I don't know if it's necessarily having that negative effect. So two things. One is I feel like the history of film from the very beginning is about pushing technology to tell yeah. stories in different ways. Because they talk about like, oh, we could have just used makeup. Yeah, this, I mean, we and there are there, there's some great like people should follow Todd Vizieri on Twitter. He, he posts out some great stuff. There's a video of like how they did this shot in a silent movie in the like 20s i think where there's like a mirror and i mean it is for a hundred plus years movies have been about fakery in order to Mm -hmm. tell the story they want to tell so i think it's funny when people are like oh there's too much of this cgi or too much of this de-aging happening now like i want to see it the way first off you don't a lot of it you don't even know like i want to see this movie that doesn't use it that, that that's really great and it's like that movie totally uses it too you just you just don't know because you're mm-hmm. not looking for it again to get back to like if you don't know to look for it you may not even notice that it's there but also it's the history of film that they do this uh, there is no point where you could legitimately draw a line and say well this far but no further i think that this is just how it is they're always trying some of it works some of it doesn't the tech keeps getting better and then we find something new to complain about because the thing that we used to complain about is now so good that we all just kind of take it for granted so that's one thing and then the other thing is you talk about opportunity for are there not opportunities for younger actors because of de-aging technology and i it actually makes me chuckle a little bit because the truth is hollywood is famous for discarding older people because everybody needs to be young (laughs) so that's a very good point i would say there's plenty of opportunity for young beautiful people and that if some this technology more opportunity for older actors (laughs) you know i mean seriously now i do i do have those moments where i was reading articles about the irishman and i was thinking i'm not like maybe you do want to do more body doubles maybe this is something that that uh people learn over time is that uh the the you can de-age people but you can't de-age the old man body <laughs> you could de-age they actually face. had this conversation it yeah because it's like de niro can't bend like he used to they were saying like <laughs> there, there were times where like they had to stop like scorsese would stop he's like no like bob you are supposed to be 20 years younger. You need to walk down these stairs more quickly. Like, and it was, it seemed to be quite difficult for them. It's like they had to push themselves physically more than they normally would yeah. because there are times where they have to act like they're 45, not 75. And so, so maybe they end up with uh, more, maybe these are all lessons that are learned and that in the end they're like, okay, we're going to do this scene with a body double and face replacement. And we're going to do this scene where you're just standing there where we're just going to use you entirely and de age you and you know those are all as weird as that sounds those are all tools those are all um paintbrushes in the tool kit of the artist uh they're all colors of the palette whatever metaphor you want to use they are all um 
tools that can be used to make the final result look right. And maybe they learn over time that some of the physical acting of de- of older actors who need to be de-aged need to be, uh, you know, it, some of the physical acting needs to be done by a body double instead. And they'll figure it out. But I, I'm not worried about Hollywood discarding young, pretty actors. I'm not. <laughs> anyway, getting back to the, the note at hand, um, I Lost My Body and Klaus were both nominated for the animated feature. Yeah, so two uh, of the five, I think, nominations for best animated feature are Netflix animated features yeah frozen 2 didn't get nominated by the way woof uh wow. yeah i watched klaus over the holidays it's a cute movie the the animation is beautiful um but and and the story the story is fine like it's it's a it's a funny little movie it's actually it's pretty good actually like it's it, you know for, for an for an animated feature which includes no property that i've ever heard of before right like i actually think it did a good job of of creating something pretty pretty original i'm going to give my endorsement by the way in this category for a movie called missing link which a lot of people missed which is a uh it's actually a stop motion animation hmm. movie so it's in the style of like Ardman, but it's not it's actually the guy who did oh what was his previous movie paranorman and uh Coraline. Coraline, yeah, sure, and Paranorman, which is a yeah. if you have kids, you know about Paranorman. Anyway, but Missing Link, really good, really good. Uh it's like it's a movie about a Sasquatch who's adorable. It's great. Um <laughs> uh so Netflix has the most nominations. That's that's interesting. You've been listening to us talk about it on an upstream, you probably are not too surprised this was inevitable, mm-hmm. really. Um, another angle that you may have not been surprised by because you've been listening to us is one of the nominees is American Factory. And that's notable because essentially that's the Academy inviting Barack and Michelle Obama to the Oscars because that's the literally the first release yes. from Higher Ground Productions to Netflix as part of their deal with Netflix. And it got nominated for Best Doc. This one missed me. I had no idea that their stuff had even begun. Like I was waiting to hear about the fact that they had things on the way. Uh, I've not heard anything about this at all. So, um, yeah, yeah, there you go. And uh, and uh, congratulations, Amazon Studios. They got one nomination. Hey, they got a nomination though, <laughs> right? What did they get the nomination for? Uh, Les Miserables, I think. Okay, okay, yeah, good, good, good for them, I suppose. Yeah, I know, but still, Netflix. This is the. Uh, I, I think it's interesting because we had these conversations about how. The movie industry is like, well, I don't know about Netflix. Like, should we change the rules? Remember, Steven Spielberg is like, change the rules so Netflix can't be nominated. And you know what happened next? They got 24 nominations. So, yeah, here we and are. Also, like, I feel at this point, Spielberg, like, look at who's working with Netflix. You can't ignore them anymore. Yeah. That's like okay. If they, when they were new movies from up and coming directors, you can try and use your clout to ignore people. But when Scorsese's making a movie which is nominated for Best Picture and it comes from Netflix, you have to ignore it's coming from now because the establishment is now moving into the streaming services. So there's nothing you can do about it, yeah. right? Like I feel like at this point you have to accept it for sure. To to your point about the people like Martin Scorsese making these movies. I think there's an argument I, I we may have made it at the time when Spielberg was complaining about this. Like there's an argument to be made that given the kind of movies that get put in theaters these days, uh there's a whole class of movies sort of like these mid-level movies and more prestige movies that don't get much time in theaters. Yep. And so 
I think Netflix and Amazon and Apple and whoever else is is funding stuff for their streaming services. Like movies are getting made and seen that would otherwise not get made and seen. And that's look at Adam Sandler, right? Like <laughs> right, these movies the... on Netflix, people, millions of people are watching Strong them. Strong counter argument there, Mike. Well, you know what I'm saying, though, right? But like, but if if that's what people enjoy, if it's what they want to see, let them see it. But people wouldn't see those movies in those numbers if they were in cinemas. So like, this is just allowing for people to be seen. I do want to see Uncut Gems, though, right? Like the Adam Sandler movie where he's the jewelry dealer. Mm, okay. That looks interesting. That looks like an interesting movie. Uh, we've taken this way further than we expected. Let's take a break and we'll come back and do more upstream. What about that, Jason Stone? Okay. All right. Today's episode is brought to you by Hello. Hello make insanely comfortable buckwheat pillows. I don't know if you've ever tried a buckwheat pillow. It's very different to regular fluffy pillows because it really supports your head and neck in a way that no other pillow can. It doesn't collapse under the weight of your head like traditional pillows because it's filled with what are called buckwheat holes. This is like it's it almost feels to me kind of beanbaggy like, um, but it's it stays cool and dry unlike feather or foam pillows there's no warmth or humidity that gets contained within them you don't have to flip to the cool side of the pillow it's always cool um, and also you can adjust the pillow to be the exact size that you want because you can remove and add the filling very easily um, people have been sleeping on buckwheat pillows for years they're popular all over the world. Um, I am in a hotel right now. I do not have my hollow pillow, and I miss it greatly. Like I use one pillow at home, right? My hollow pillow. When I'm traveling, I use like two or three to give me the kind of support that I want. Um, I absolutely love my pillow, and I miss it whenever I'm not sleeping on it. Uh, hollow pillows are made in the USA with quality construction and materials. The certified organic case is cut and sewn for durability, and the buck and buckwheat is grown and milled in the US as well. You may be curious to try one of these right now. You should be, and you can if you want to. You can sleep on it for 60 nights, and then if hollow isn't right for you, you can just send it back for a refund. Go to hollowpillow.com slash upgrade right now to get your own buckwheat pillow. That's hollowpillow, H-U- L-L-O-P-I-L-L-O-W dot com slash upgrade. If you buy more than one, they have a special discount. You can get up to $20 off depending on the size you opt for. They have fast free shipping of every order. And they also donate 1% of all profits to the Nature Conservancy. Give it a try. If you love it, you keep it. If you don't, you just send it back. That's hollowpillow.com slash upgrade. Our thanks to Hollow for their support of this show and Relay FM. So talking about awards, yes. you know, we spoke about the Golden Globes last week. Apple You've gone Hollywood, Mike. There's more more upstream. You've totally gone Hollywood. Oh, it's, it's all fine. Hollywood. You're a special, all upstream all the time. Special now. Hollywood correspondent, Mike Hurley, one week only. Billy Crudup. He played, um, what is the name that of the character cre- now? The in creepy the guy in, in The Morning Show. Corey Ellison in The Morning Show. He is my favorite character in that show. And the critics agreed because he picked up the Best Supporting Actor at the Critics' Choice Award. I believe that was last night. This is Apple's first award for any of their TV Plus things. It was their only nomination that they received. And uh, Crudup took home the gong, which is great, right? I think he deserves it. It's a really... I saw Carolina Milanese on Twitter yesterday. I completely agreed with her. Like... It's wild to watch a character who, at one moment, you absolutely hate, and then the next moment, you're completely cheering for, like, just moment to moment. Yeah, it Um, it is a legitimately great, weird performance, a weird character. He's so slimy at the beginning, and you're like, whoa, who is this guy? And then you see him do things where you're like, oh, I kind of like what this guy did. Wait a second. This is the really creepy, slimy guy. And it's just like, it's fascinating. He is is fascinating to watch in that show. So, uh, deserved, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. 
Um, Apple will be presenting at the TV Critics Association press tour on mm. January 19th. Here we are. Here we go. We now, talked about this last summer. This mm-hmm. is the Death March with Cocktails, as dubbed mm-hmm. by my TV talk machine pal, now retired TV critic, Tim Goodman, um, The where all the TV writers come and uh, for like two weeks there's a summer and a winter press tour and the networks and the streamers and everybody else will do the cable cable and broadcast and streaming they will do days where they bring in the shows that are launching or coming back and the writers and the cast and there are panel interviews and there's cocktail receptions and set visits and it's this whole dog and pony show and the idea here is you're doling out information and getting the media uh, to pay attention to the stuff that you want to shine a, a PR spotlight on, mm-hmm. and uh, we our question was would you know would Apple come down off the mountaintop and go to the Death March? And here's your answer: Win a press tour, they're going to be there. Yep, which is I think the way that I know I fell in this up that we agreed on this is that they would get into this because there are things in this industry they can try to avoid them as much as they want. But they need to try and be involved. If they want to take the awards, they also have to play the game. Yeah. And this is part of the game. There's schmoozing of all sorts, but it, it is uh, definitely, I think, primarily a PR rollout mm-hmm. setting where they can get like... And, and if you're a, a TV writer, not just necessarily a critic, but a, a writer in general, you do you load up your notebook with stuff. And like you, so you listen to the producers of some show that's launching in April, talk about their motivation and and what they're planning and all of that. And you put that in the notebook and some people might write stories about it or live tweet it at the time. But what happens is then April comes around and you're writing your your story about that show and now you've seen it and all of that. And you empty out your notebook and you say, oh, well, I talked to this person and that's all coming from the press tour that um, so there's it's a it's a big kind of concerted between the you know TV critics and the networks to get their like this PR thing and then they all go back to wherever they're from and and they they've been downloaded with the marketing you know spin of of the networks and news breaks here and they announce casting and they announce renewals and there's all sorts of other stuff that happens here so it will be fascinating to see what level that's the next question right what level will apple disclose How, will apple play this game like everyone else or will apple be more reluctant because apple as a company, if not their TV division so much, but as a company has that kind of culture. So I guess we'll see how open they are. Do they feel like HBO? They seem to be playing the HBO song, like literally HBO stopped playing that song and they're like, we will play that song now. So maybe we'll maybe also hire Richard your Plepler particular guy <laughs> on stage with everybody. Yeah, who knows? Um, funnily, maybe it's interesting. They're the only... Uh, company named on this day so it's january 19th yeah so yeah in, that's, the, in the kind of that's the schedule. not not surprising there's a lot of times there's like a company will take a day mm-hmm. sometimes more than one day uh to do their events so like there's apple day and people will come and apple will have a whole thing and they'll serve people lunch probably and they'll do their whole dog and pony show and they'll it'll yep. be interesting to see what they're promoting too because as we talked about there's the sto- there's the stuff we know that is probably not coming back to the fall so will they talk about the morning show or for all mankind, or will that be like completely off the table and they're going to be talking mm-hmm. about whatever their next wave of programming is that's this spring? Um, I don't know. Interesting. In we'll- theory, it will be stuff that we don't know about because by then, 
they won't have a lot left on the slate to talk about that's actually we know about dates for. Yeah. Um, and so we might find out stuff like uh, Amazing Stories, right? Like, when is that coming? Because this is a winter press tour, so they'll have a summer yeah. press tour presumably in August. So it really is sort of like what is on their agenda between now and July, August. Oprah pulls out of the documentary focused on sexual assault that we spoke about last week. She was the executive producer on the project, but in a statement given to The Hollywood Reporter, she says that she's decided to pull out and therefore cancel the agreement to air this on Apple TV+. This is a quote from Oprah. First and foremost, I want it to be known that I unequivocally believe and support the women. Their stories deserve to be told and heard. In my opinion, there is more work to be done. Um, and it's become clear, though, that the filmmakers and I are not aligned in that creative vision. So something happened with the kind of the way that this movie, this documentary was coming together to the point that Oprah decided to pull out. I think it's going to be very interesting when this movie eventually does come out to, to see why, like what happened. Mm-hmm. I think it will be pretty obvious. Um, so this was focusing on a, a an executive in the music industry um, who has been accused of sexual assault. And that was going to be the documentary was going to be about following the victims. But now Oprah has pulled out. So again, one of these things where the story sort of reflects on Apple, even though it's sort of been put down a layer by having it be Oprah and the creative differences. It's a classic Hollywood statement. And who, uh-huh. knows, who knows what it means? But it does mean that she's basically said, I'm out. And that means Apple is also out of this documentary. Yeah. Uh, Apple released a trailer for Mythic Quest. This was the uh, video game company comedy show. Mm-hmm. This trailer looks great. Like it is a, it looks like a lot of fun. It's more of what I wanted from this and less of what I expe- expected it to be. Like I expected it to just be like a, you know, because we were super strange about like why is Ubisoft involved in this and it seemed super weird, but it looked pretty funny and it looks like they do maybe touch a little bit on some of the difficulties of working in video game development like they're talking even in the trailer there's references to like working all night and that kind of stuff so i'm very intrigued about this now i think it's going to be pretty i'm i have high hopes now it's got a i was going to say a silicon valley kind of vibe but i actually think it has a little bit more of a veep kind of vibe the uh the trailer but that's uh, not to say that again apple is trying to be hbo but uh it's got that kind of feel to it yeah, I think it looks like a lot of fun. Like, there's, it seems like it's got a great cast, and it's got an interesting feel to it. I'm, I'm intrigued to see if that like it joins over to the show. Like, does it does it marry up? But yeah, it looks great. And finally, the Apple TV app is coming to LG, Sony, and Vizio TVs this year. So currently, at the moment, the Apple TV app itself exists on Samsung TVs. And then other TVs have AirPlay 2 functionality. But Apple did reference that other manufacturers would also be getting the smart TV app. And by the end of the year, this is all announced over CES, LG, Sony, and Vizio TVs will be getting it. Um, if you have one of these TVs, each manufacturer has like different cutoff times as to what TVs will get it. Um, but this is a continuation of Apple rolling out their content to as many places as they can possibly put it. Yeah. Yeah, it continues. This is uh, the answer to the question is loud and clear. Apple wants the TV app to be everywhere. Should we talk about so we're kind of on this topic? Let's let's move over a little bit and talk about services in general. We've spent obviously a lot of time talking about services over the last couple of years because Apple's been focusing on it a lot. But they put out a press release uh, on New Year's Day 
uh, celebrating their successes. Um, was it New Year's Day? No, it was just like last week, sorry. Uh, and they basically said, with a quote, App Store customers, so this is people on the App Store, spent a record of $1.42 billion between Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, which is a 16% increase. Um, and the biggest day, I think, was $386 million on New Year's Day, which is a 20% increase. So they kind of also used this press release as a wrap-up of kind of where Apple are with services right now. It's mm-hmm. just like promotion for all of the stuff that they're doing. But you look at these numbers and you can... It's just more evidence of why exactly Apple is pushing the way that they have been into services. They are able to make more and more and more money without selling a proportional amount of devices, right? Like these numbers... If you look at how many iPhones were sold over, you know, in 2019, if you just looked at that number compared to last year, you'd be like, they probably won't make as much money because they're not making as many iPhones. But it doesn't count the fact that all of the iPhones existing out there right now can still buy apps, can still sign up for TV Plus. They just put like the install base is getting larger and larger, and that's what Apple's capitalizing on. Yeah, it's the. I mean, I I did a piece last week, which we should probably talk about about yep. uh, services and wearables, but you can. You can see it. We're we're in entering 2020, and three years ago, Apple set itself this goal. They said they wanted to double its services revenue by 2020, and they will blow past that because their services revenue in 2016 was 26 billion. Uh, So double that—that's 52, right? Well, in 2019, it was already 46. So they would actually have to slow severely, slow down services growth to not make that target Hmm. and it's just it's it's an enormous part of their business the um the services and wearables put together um back in 2015 was about 15 percent of their business and now it's 30 and going up so you know that's gone from being kind of like a nice small part of the Apple business to a third almost of the Apple business. Yeah, in that article that you wrote, I liked where you, you were looking at it and basically said that since going back to 2015, every single quarter, there has been a double-digit percentage growth over the year-over-year quarter. So yeah. they are growing massive amounts. Yeah, that, that's... We, we talk about iPhone slowing down, right? If you go back to our early shows of Upgrade, you can talk about us being amazed at the year-over-year iPhone growth. And that was iPhone was in this explosive growth growth phase, which it's not in anymore. And so it's very profitable, but it's not growing a lot. But you look at services and wearables, by the way, but starting with services, um, it, it, it has been for years now, for like five years, growing at double digits per quarter year over year, which is, that's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> that's my point is it's a lot. In 2012, they made $15 billion on services and in 2019 they made 46 billion in services that is a lot of growth and one of the great things i think for apple is the fact that services revenue unlike their products is not going to be as affected by seasonal changes so they're likely to make more money over the christmas period right as they sell more iphones or whatever but then that those spikes should bring the average higher because people sign up for these monthly subscription things. And yeah, you'll get some people canceling every now and then, but if you just sold a bunch more phones, you just bring up the average and then it keeps going. Like it just keeps growing and growing and growing yeah. in theory, as long as they're making people happy. And you're paying monthly or, or quarterly or annually or whatever yeah. you are for these subscriptions, which means the money just keeps flowing in. It's not seasonal yep. at all. 
I mean, again, they obviously will at some point reach a saturation, but they've probably got quite a way ahead of them, which means, you know, like the iPhone, there will be a point where there has to be something else, right? Because services will stop growing. But you can see they have a lot of opportunity here because there's many ways to kind of like like on this pump, right? Like you can not only try to convince existing customers and new customers to sign up for whatever service, you can also create more services, which they've obviously been doing, right? Like you can give people reasons to sign up for iCloud and they did that, right? Like you can give people reasons to give you money to get their news, uh, but then you can also create gaming subscription services. You can create television content, right? Like there are more ways for them to affect this area of this revenue right. than there was for the iPhone. And, and look, don't get me wrong. We were talking about this last week. They're probably trying to do this with the iPhone too, right? Oh, you want four or five iPhones? Let's just do it, right? Make all the iPhones, right? Like it's a similar kind of model. You give everyone everything, but it's probably easier to do this with services than it is for them to just keep making iPhones. Yeah. Well, you could buy, everybody is going to use one iPhone. There's very rarely that yep. somebody has the night phone and the day phone, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, services are, I mean, theoretically infinite. They, they're not because there are only so many that you would want and there's only so much money in your pocket. But you can have more than one. So yeah, Apple yes. sells an iPhone to everybody. Everybody's got an iPhone. How many services can they have on it? They can have more than one. They can have two or three or four or five or six. And you, you might roll your eyes at that because at some point it becomes exhausting. But if Apple offers 15 services and you only want four of them, they still sold you four services, right? So yep. that that's there's that this is why they're doing. It. And my point of my article too was to do a, a a fun chart and also to point out like this is why they talk about services and wearables, right? The, this is why you can see it. Um, you know, I had made the year year by year chart before, so that was the, my new chart of the week, basically, and. Um, you can see why, like, and you can you can be skeptical. You can not like what it says about Apple as a company. I think all I think there's lots of criticism about these strategies that you and I have talked about over the years. But the the money, like, you cannot argue the numbers. Look, this is why they're doing it, and and you know that they're a profit seeking company. Um, this is why they're doing it. Yeah, the wearables part is fun. So uh, the category, right, it's called wearables, homes, and accessories, but it's basically all wearables, and wearables is two products, AirPods and Apple Watch. That's what's driving this. It's not HomePod, right? Like, it's not silicone cases or whatever else they put in accessories. Uh, These are the two things. You look at the charts that you put together, and it's really interesting to see how there was, you know, kind of in like, there was a nice little bump, right, that happened with the Apple Watch. They sold a bunch of Apple Watches, and then it was relatively flat right like it wasn't really doing a lot and then in 2017 this category exploded yeah which is probably airpods right like i would look at this this growth and it's like oh yeah that's airpods so because yeah you have so many people that want to buy these products that already own your iphones and they become this fashion thing and a meme thing and it just went wild i think the i think you can't undersell the apple watch because no, for sure. it, it's Apple a, Watch, it creates something. The Apple know? Watch, no, I mean, I think it's more than that. I think in 2015, which was really the first year of the Apple Watch, um, they showed four straight quarters. It was like 49, 61, 62, and 30% growth year over year. That is the yeah. that is everybody buying an Apple Watch Series yeah. 1. Year 2, that was something that was hard to live up to. That first initial, the initial spike of a brand new product. And so they had three quarters in a row where that category went down. 
year over year because yep. you you had to you had to do that. But since then, that category has grown way faster than services has. It's been you know in the uh, more than 20% growth year over year, every quarter, all but one have been more than 30%. And the last two have been both around 50% growth year over year. I think it's both the continued momentum of the Apple Watch and AirPods. I think together, I think it really is a one-two punch. I I think they're both, because Apple Watch, they don't disclose sales figures, so we have to guess. But it seems like Apple Watch had a huge spike. They tailed off a little bit and they have been, killing it since then on apple watch sales if you take tim cook at his word and occasionally Mm -hmm. he throws out a superlative of like oh this is our best and whatever but i think i think the apple watch is a big part of this but i think you're right that uh airpods is um is a huge driver as well and this is why so so as much as we talk about services this is why if i'm apple i am you know very highly prioritizing any other wearable product, not only in the long term with the, you know, they're supposedly working on AR glasses and all that, but this is the um, search through the couch couch cushions. Like, what else can we do? Like, do we want to do in-ear AirPods with noise canceling? Yes, we do. Are there other, like, this is why I think that it, that they absolutely will make over-ear AirPod headphones, head pods, right? Because how could You've you not? Me. How could you not? Because I was, I was really sure that they were going to do this. Look and at, then... look at the, how successful the AirPods have been. If I'm in charge of AirPods, you just like, like I said, until they usher me out because I don't work at Apple. I'm like, mm-hmm. what other things can we AirPod? Like, do yeah. them all, do them all. It's all wildly successful. Keep doing them. Yeah, I, I'd start to believe that. Oh, because we haven't seen them yet, they probably won't do them. But now I'm back in the camp of yeah, they're going to do it because. How can they not? Silly not to. Why would you not just do it? Like, just do it. Why not? Like, even if if they're essentially Beats headphones, except with a slightly different sound profile and they're white, like still and more expensive because it's Apple, just do it. Yeah. They have no, they don't care about Beats and uh, like they don't care about Beats in that way. Like, they they have because Beats just takes the technology and makes their version, right? And then they make an an AirPods version. And Beats is a brand that has an audience. Apple is a brand that has an audience. And there are people who will buy Apple. Uh, over-ear headphones that would never buy Beats over-ear headphones. And that's just, I know that that doesn't make sense. And vice versa. It's vice true. Versa and vice well. versa. Exactly. We are back on that train here. Like, they're going to, well, at least I am, headpods. So, over-ear headphones okay. with, I don't know, like, better, more kind of encompassing now noise cancellation. But it doesn't matter what the features are, right? Just make it because then you can make more millions and millions and millions of dollars from people. AirPods Max. AirPods Max. Massive. Uh, I like this quote as well from your article that in 2015, these two categories combined were 16% of Apple's total business. Uh, in the last quarter, it was 30% and continuing to grow. So, you know, like we could be... 2022 2023 maybe a few more years 50 percent of the business could be this right i i don't believe it'll if it's gonna take a long time for it to get there uh it could it could but i think that we are definitely about to enter a period where a third of apple's business is services and, and wearables yeah yeah i mean it depends where they're going right like I'm still so conflicted about ar glasses right like i really am conflicted about it i i don't I just don't know if I get it, but if that is a product that they make and it makes sense in the way that the Apple Watch made sense, like that's just it's just going to continue to pump that line, you know. But I'm not I'm not convinced about that yet. Like I think the jury is is and should be out on the idea of something to put on my face to connect to my iPhone. I'm not sure. Hmm. Uh, Apple's next earnings are on January 28th. I'm really excited for these ones because I want to see what 
the iPhone did. Like, I'm really keen. To, I like to talk about all of this stuff now because it sort of sets the stage for what happens in that holiday quarter, which will get reported on January 28th. How well did the iPad or the iPhone do in the holiday quarter? Where are the other businesses now? And what's the next stage of services and wearables? And we will we will hear that in two weeks. So then the we'll Apple have an Arcade idea. revenue will begin. I suppose so. Reported. Yeah. Yeah, so they because right, it, they it was won't, in a free trial period, and they don't break time. that out. But they, if it did well, they'll say, "Oh, and Apple Arcade exceeded our expectations by you know." They'll, they'll say some superlative about it. That's what they do. If they if they say something superlative, if they have something to say that's superlative, they will say it. Um, otherwise, they won't. So, like Apple News Plus also exists. You know, <laughs> it remains a product in our lineup. Yeah, or or they'll or they do that thing where they're like, "We are really pleased with Apple News Plus, which is great and offers all these things." It's like okay. <laughs> And how's it doing? Mm, it's great. We love it. Okay. All right. You didn't say how well it's doing, but okay. So we'll see. We'll re- read the tea leaves, but that's a couple weeks away. This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. We know that a VPN can protect your privacy and security online, but it can also help you take your content consumption to the next level by unlocking things that could be restricted to you in other countries. Or if you're away, like me, and you want to watch stuff on Netflix in the UK, but you can't because it's not on Netflix in the US, you can use ExpressVPN to help you do that. You just fire up ExpressVPN, change your location to where you want it to be, refresh Netflix, and that is it. I'm also a big fan of the Japanese television show Terrace House, and they drop it, it's on Netflix, but they drop it in chunks in the UK. But in Japan, they put every episode up every week. And the last episode of the most recent chunk was a massive cliffhanger that I couldn't wait months for. So I opened ExpressVPN, changed my location to Japan, and watched the next episode to satiate my cliffhangerness. So it's great. ExpressVPN hides your IP address so you can control where you want sites to think you're located, and you can choose from over a hundred different countries. So there are hundreds of VPNs out there, but ExpressVPN is ridiculously fast, which you want when you're watching shows. No buffering, no lag, and you can stream in HD. ExpressVPN is also compatible with all of your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more, so you can watch what you want wherever you want. If you go to expressvpn.com slash upgrade right now, you can get three months extra for free. So it's three extra months of ExpressVPN for free, just by going to expressvpn.com slash upgrade. So support this show, watch what you want, and protect yourself as well. I thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, Jason, I wanted to check in with you because we spoke in the summer about uh, you upgrading your office, uh, painting the wall orange. Uh, How is that being? Operation (laughs) Office 5, yes. There you go. How's it been going for you? Well, I've got good news and bad news. Oh, no. The the bad news is that uh, to reference back to to an episode from two years ago, episode 170, the Rat King of Cables, Mm. it's back. The Rat King of Cables has 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 grown, has regrown. Because over two years, you know, you got a cable, you put it somewhere, and that's how it starts. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm speaking to you now from a room that has a lot of. Uh, I, I've begun the process of kind of upturning all of these boxes that have cables in them, and then going through the cables one by one and putting them in the USB pile and the HDMI pile and the Ethernet pile, and all of that, so that then I can organize them, reorganize them, and try to find, you know, get them back in their place. Because I had a moment where I needed a particular USB cable, um, and I couldn't find one. I was like, hmm, this is not great, because, you know, then it's search through the Rat King of cables, or 
just buy a new one on Amazon. It's so sad to do. I like, I know I have this cable, but I can't find it. So I'm just going to buy another one. That's a bad idea. So I'm, I'm, I've reached that step now where I I'm trying to pull all this stuff out. And I found a bunch of old stuff in a box. I literally had a box that I filled with stuff from my desk at IDG five years ago, brought home and never opened. Um, that I opened last week. So I found a lot of really great old stuff. I was sending a bunch of pictures to Stephen Hackett of like, you get a load of this. Look at these two Newtons that I have. Look at this BOS CD-ROM that I've got. Uh, All sorts of just wild old stuff that's in there. Um, But I have to figure out like, what of that is salvageable and what of that should I dump? And so I'm I'm in the decluttering process. There's also a lot of stuff. The garage is also our sort of storage room for the rest of the house. So there's a bunch of stuff that needs to go to the um, the goodwill or or to the dump depending or the electronics recycling so i'm I'm in midstream on that which means that my office is much messier than i would like but um i i have made a bunch of changes um i mentioned on this show as part of our ongoing conversation with atp about lighting and marco's many many lights that he has mm-hmm. that i was feeling it that on a on particular dark winter days it's not it's sunny today so it's great but on dark winter days and nights um that my one floor lamp in here is not quite enough um and i was debating what to do get another floor lamp um get some some other lamp that i could like shoot onto the wall so that the orange wall is sort of lit up that would be nice and i ended up um and i think i like it and i think i'm going to keep it is i had a, a hue light strip a phillips hue light strip the little um, led strip lighting um and i put it on the frame of my window so it's like shining up toward the ceiling and also against the wall and this is the my wall that i painted orange and I kind of liked it. I, I, I left it there for a while and I kind of liked it. So I bought um, some extensions of that. And now it's on the top and the bottom of that window frame. It's just stuck on the on the window frame. And that's pretty good. So I don't think, and, and it means I don't have a floor lamp um, cluttering that part of my office that I have to keep moving out of the way to go anywhere. It's just attached yeah. on the wall. So I think I'm going to go with that. And that gives me that extra little kind of hit of... Uh, of light, especially in in dark times when I need a little bit more brightness, um, and it shows off that orange wall, which makes me happy. Um, and that's a smart thing, so I can put it on. I've got a smart switch at the doorway that is actually a, a smart light switch that's actually turning on my floor lamp, which is plugged into one of those little smart outlets. And so now I, I have it wired up so that I can turn that on. I can turn on the the uh, the hue lights on the wall. Um, so you know. I, I'm doing that. I have some video lights that I use when I'm doing, you know, when I'm shooting videos or doing live stream of, of something. And then I I'm actually ordered some more mounts to mount more of them up on the ceiling because the great thing about having those lights on the ceiling is that they're not somewhere else on the floor. <laughs> like they're out of the way. There's no tripod. There's no, you know, there's none of that. And, and it's a great place to store those lights. And then I can just either on smart switches so I can just turn them on whenever I am recording. So I'm doing a bunch of that kind of stuff. And uh, like John Syracuse, I prepared the way, um, but I'm not getting a Mac Pro. I just bought a new um, uninterruptible power supply because after the power outages this fall and also hearing John and Stephen Hackett talking about getting these like tower UPSs, they look like a tower computer almost. And all my UPSs, I've got two, are like big, fat, thick power strips. And I thought... 
oh, actually, that is exactly what I what I want and need for this right right where my computer's plugged in. So I have an, I have one of those now too, a big UPS. And the best thing about it is that it's got a silence button on it. So when the power goes out and I need to use it in order for my lamp to work, I won't have beeping coming to me endlessly from the garage like I did in October. These UPSs, like I get it, but I don't know if I want this like massive thing. Right? Like a big computer sitting under my desk. It seems like so much. Well, mine is sitting against the wall. Um, right. It's not under my desk. And I've got I've got a whole... That's another thing I did is I've got a bunch of cable organization that I've been doing where I've got... Ooh. You know, I'm trying to tie the cables together and reduce the number. I actually bought a, a new, like a USB 3 hub so that I can extend... I can run one USB cable down off the desk and then have a bunch of stuff plugged in kind of stuck under the desk, including the one that runs to the... Uh, to the ups so that uh it can talk to the ups um and uh and then it, it extends i've got a little uh thing that goes all the way toward the wall and then there is where the ups is so it, i don't see it but this new this ups is tall and not wide like the other one is so it's actually kind of less intrusive and you know if your power goes out your computer doesn't die which is nice i had the cyber power um cp 1500 pf clcd wow. CP fifteen hundred CPF. Yep, I see it. Look at that. Look at that thing. Wow. Yeah. It seems like so much. How much? How how long would do you know how long your computer would last plugged into this thing? I don't know. I don't okay. know. We could find out, but not right now. <laughs> no, I don't want him to do it right now. Oh, it turns out only twenty seconds. Yeah. So. And you have it. I mean, because I've never really understood how this works. But you have it set up, or do you have it set up that it can talk to macOS? Yeah. So. And, People don't know this, I think, but uh, these UPSs have USB on them, um, and they often come with, like, Windows software. And some of them have mm-hmm. Mac downloads, but I'm always very skeptical. You don't actually need software, special software on the Mac for these things. If you plug them in via USB and go to en- the Energy Saver pane in System Preferences, there's a UPS thing, and you can configure it to, like... You know, the, your Mac knows when it's on UPS, knows what the battery status of the UPS is. It's like like a laptop battery. It's aware of all of that. And you can say, you know, after five minutes on the UPS shutdown, or if the UPS only has five minutes left, shut down. Or if the UPS mm-hmm. reaches 10% of its battery, shut down. You can, you can do all of that stuff from right within system preferences. You don't need any special software to do that. Yeah, it looks really cool, that kind of stuff. But see, I want I wanted to hear all of this from you today because I'm in just like I'm in such office limbo right now, Jason. Because mm. I wanna there's so much stuff that I want to do to my office, but also at the same time, I want an office outside of my home, which is like a whole right. other big thing right. that I'm looking at because we live in a two bedroom apartment mm-hmm. and you know, if if our life goes the way that we want over the next few years, I need to give that room up. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And so I can't. Uh, and so like I'm Been in there. this real limbo, <laughs> yeah. right? Of like what to do. We don't have another room. Like we don't have a garage. We live in an apartment. So like I am looking kind of for an office outside of home, which is like it's put, holding me back from making too many significant changes right. to my home office. Like I don't want to redo the whole thing and then rip it all out again. But there are there are little things that I can do that I can also take with me, right? Like if, if I get an office outside of my home, right? Like if I buy a UPS, I can still take that with me. Sure. 
Um, but yeah, so I, I'm, I'm in a little bit of limbo myself right now, yeah. which is just like the worst. It's a challenge. And you've and you got to think about the expenses of uh, yep. of an office versus the expenses and inconvenience of doing something like selling you know, your place and buying a place with another room, right? Which you could do, but is incredibly yeah. inconvenient, right? That is obviously something that we will want to do at some point in our lives, right? But we don't, we don't want to even think about moving for like another two or three years. Yeah. Yeah, so because, you're in limbo. You know, we have like a like our mortgage is in a contract, like a fixed term contract, and so you don't want to break it. Yeah, because then you lose your rates, all that kind of nonsense. I recommend so like moving um, is not a good thing that right you now. just uh, you know go work in a big glass cube. Bad for audio. Yes, uh, big glass. <laughs> a little cubes. bit, little bit, little bit bad, bad for audio. That is true. You got to worry about the audio uh, because that's problem, your job. Like the problem I've had is like trying to find office space where we live is very very difficult because i i have also have like particular needs i can't work in a shared office right right? like i can find a desk in a shared office super easy but cannot find private offices very easily i had had a friend who ended up working there was a law firm that had rented out a a building and they had extra offices and he ended up working there he basically sublet an office inside this so it's like before there was we work <laughs> there was yep. hey we have an extra office does somebody want to use this and you know that's uh you know i don't know if that would be your best bet or or not to just see but it's hard. how do you find them like yeah that. and like i found an office and that and i've i've even gone to see it and thought it was really great but the letting company is not responding to my emails mm. it's like i want to lease this office will you please let me lease this office and they're just like ignoring me <laughs> it's like I don't, I don't understand what's happening like i want to give you the money that mm-hmm. you're looking for it's very it's very confusing to me uh, but sign. that's i'm you know that's kind of where i am right now like i had this whole plan of like oh doing a bunch of of stuff to redo the office but now I'm in a little bit of limbo, but there are things that I still want to do. So like I spoke about it last time, right? Like I want to um, make my kind of second desk more of a uh, fixed iPad writing desk, you know? So I'm still looking at stuff like that. I'm still trying to work that out myself i actually want to talk about keyboards in a minute um right because that's kind of like a place where i am in my life right now uh, is look at we've keyboards. all been there we've all been yeah, at the keyboard yeah. part of their life but i'm also at the same time still looking for just general inspiration as you know i've been we were again we spoke about this when we were together i've been working out of that office now for three years and it was put together in a way that is very different to how it's used now yeah yeah like, like my me, initial conception you, your you built your office just as i built my office sort of speculatively saying well what, what what would i do if i had this office and then you use it for three four five years and you're like okay this is not quite what i you know i, I made mm-hmm. i made some guesses and some were right and some were wrong and it's not quite how i work now and then you have to and that's what my kind of project has been about is making some revision like getting a new desk because like that that was a I, I thought buying that relatively cheap, very small uh, sit-stand desk was a good idea at the time, and I guess it was, but having sat at it for five years, I, it's not the right desk for me. So, yeah. And you're still happy with the desk that you have? Oh, I love it. I mean, it's the, because it's the, it's the, like the re- reclaimed hardwood uh, desktop, mm-hmm. and, you know, this one's got multiple settings so that it remembers, like, my standing position and my sitting position and stuff, which the other one did not. Um it's uh yeah it's really nice and because of the size it actually i can tuck more stuff underneath 
the the desk and so i can do talking about cable management like i can attach i actually at one point have i've I've given some thought to uh i bought the drive i bought a samsung ssd i've given some thought to um putting like velcroing the drive under the desktop as my backup drive as my like super duper clone Mm -hmm. drive Mm -hmm. Uh, although since my imac is visa mounted um i can actually just there's like a little space in the visa mount where the drive goes like i don't even need to attach it it just kind of like sits there and it's completely invisible huh. to me and it's just directly attached by USB-C to the to the iMac oh, but i uh i just stuck my samsung ssd drive that i use for my time machine but with velcro onto the back yep. of the foot of my I mean, iMac pro <laughs> i don't care it's I, where I, it lives yeah <laughs> i i agree but I, I thought about putting stuff under the desk and i do have like i said i have a hub under there and i i bought a a metal shelf for my um my usb audio interface and so i don't even see it anymore it's down there and i it's accessible but like it's not on my table anymore and i may do that with the mute switch at some point too and just like trying to clear some of the junk off the desk but I, I am i'm happy with the desk i have by the way i have um i have two points of additional follow-up one is usb follow-up i guess this is follow-out uh there's been this there's a bug happening in catalina and none of us have been able to pin it down casey list has talked about it on atp a little bit um and i've seen it too where something is going on and i think it's usb i don't think it's actually bluetooth i think it's usb and i think the bluetooth is on the usb bus is that bus headed for dongletown no that bus is driving away <laughs> from dongletown and it's on fire <laughs> i bought a uh, a new dvd drive to use to do like you know i i back up my dvds and put them on a plex server which is great because then i don't have to fish out the dvd and fish out the blu-ray uh, to watch something i can just kind of like it's very easy then to put it on my TV using the Apple TV app or even sideload it to my iPad and take it on a trip, whatever. Um, so I bought a new one of those. And uh, so I, I was at a point where I was um, ripping a Blu-ray, um, doing a podcast. So there's a USB audio interface there and super duper launched and was that new Samsung SSD. It was doing a clone uh, backup to my SSD. Those are Seems all like U- those are all USB tasks, right? And my USB audio interface started cutting out. Um, my trackpad started getting jumpy because it wasn't plugged in. And then I plugged it in and it was, it was okay after that. My, but my Bluetooth mode trackpad was getting jumpy. The, uh, the ripping procedure on the Blu-ray disc failed. Oh. And I thought, what is happening here? And then I stopped the super duper clone and ejected and unplugged the drive and i turned off the blu-ray drive and i unplugged and replugged the usb audio interface and then i didn't have any problems and i thought to myself something there's a bug here somewhere because i did not see this before overloaded somehow yeah something is happening where the usb bus is getting overloaded by something It, it is unable to prioritize all of these things and it has dropouts and the dropouts can result in dropped audio from a usb interface or a drop that leads to a failure from a blu-ray drive or jittery potentially it's related to jittery input from uh from keyboards and mice um and i think it's all because of that uh that backup that was that was going on so um this is similar to what Casey has seen. And I, I, if somebody from out, uh, Apple out there who knows about USB stuff, like 
I'd love to know more about this um, or tell you more about it. But, it, uh, you know, USB was broken in, what was it, Sierra, maybe? Or High Sierra? There was a release of OS ten a few years ago where USB was really broken and we all kind of like couldn't move our podcast machines to it because it became really unreliable. And it very slowly got more reliable. Um, but something happened with Catalina and it's back to being kind of not reliable, at least under load. So that's a real bummer because that kind of like puts back a lot of my ideas about chaining things for USB and doing a local direct super duper backup instead of just using the network. And, you know, because I have to not have my USB audio interface for podcasts be unreliable. <laughs> so like, oh, I can't record any podcasts when any other USB devices are attached is not a great look. So, so I have that update. So Casey, if you're out there, you're not alone. And um, my other update is a power outage update. Since we're talking about my office, since that's what this segment oh, is about, yeah, yeah, I get, I, I can understand now a little bit more. I've, I've forgotten about the rolling power outages, yes. right? That's one of the reasons you probably are thinking so much about UPSs and are maybe a little bit more sensitive to it because you've lived the life of multiple well, days. We had the three over, day three day outage, yeah. and the UPS isn't going to protect you from a three day outage, but it will at least give you a little bit of battery um, to finish. But it just at least will make you. This whole thing will make you think about power a little bit more. Right. Right. Exactly. So. After the outages, we looked into doing rooftop solar um, with a battery backup um, because with that on a sunny day, uh, you could basically, the power could go out for a few days and you could still have power in your house, which would be great. I mean, but you also have uh, other additional benefits for that, right? Like your power bill will get cheaper. Exactly. You'll be using more renewable energy. Yeah. Like there are lots of benefits for solar. Yeah, but losing power for three days was the impetus to be like, okay, yep. we should really do this. And then I looked into it and it turns out we have a, um, you know, please do not send advice. By the way, I'll just say that now because I know I'm going to get advice from people who don't know all the de- all the all the details about <laughs> this. But here's here's the thing. Tesla. Um, I have a 20 plus year old roof, which doesn't leak, which is great. However, technically, that roof is getting toward the end of its life. And everybody I talked to about solar said, well, you really have to replace the roof if you're going to do solar, because otherwise the roof's going to fail and you're going to have to deinstall all of your panels and then reinstall them on the new roof and that's no good so we really advise that you know you need a relatively recent roof start with a fresh roof yeah right so and because the damage is way worse when you if you have panels right on so top. guess what that takes a project that was already really going to be expensive when we've got a child in college and another one going to college soon and said yeah take that number that you were already wincing at and thinking you might not be able to afford, but you could probably grit your way through it. Now add $20,000 to it at least. And uh, at that point I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. So, uh, so the rooftop solar is off. Maybe after I have to replace my roof, I'll think about it again. But I had a moment where I thought, okay, it's inconvenient not to have power for a few days. But when I think about a project that would cost, I mean, a lot, let's just say a lot of money, all told, versus finding ways to make the pain of an occasional outage less painful and then just rebuying the groceries that spoiled in the refrigerator. It's like, I can't really justify it that way. Like, there there are reasons to get solar, um, but in the end, because of our particular circumstance, I just don't think we can afford the, the scale of it, having to replace the roof and then do solar and then get the battery it's a lot. So um, I'm the moment I made that decision of like, we're not going to do that. 
um, and that all that money that we were going to spend is not being spent, I was like, oh, I can spend a small amount of money on a few things to make life a little easier if we do get an outage. So the first thing I did was I actually bought this thing um, called a power bank, which is like a, a giant UPS. Um, I bought one from Goal Zero. I bought the Yeti 1000. It's You plug it in and it, it's a giant battery and it charges. And then when the power goes out, you can use it not to you can't like run a giant appliance on it but there are certain things in our house that we could run off of this thing um and they also sell a uh, a solar panel that charges it um in like 20 hours or something like that so it would be uh and, and i'll explore because you can get a second a panel for it and then charge it faster and all of that but um so i'm gonna i'm gonna buy that i just bought that so we'll have more power available to us in a giant battery to get us through like at a very low level with some of the stuff in our house. And uh, that's, a, that's a start. And I'll look into some other stuff too. I'm not sure I really want to buy a gas generator because um, for, for lots of reasons, like having to have a gas can and oil and it's noisy and smelly and like I, mm, I'd rather not go down that route. But, but anyway, all that stuff is kind of back open just because I'm not going to spend... Fifty or sixty thousand dollars at least on uh, a solar project because I don't have that money to spend. I'm not going to do that. So instead, I just bought a giant battery. So a lot of batteries coming to my house, Mike. Lots of batteries. All the great batteries. Mm-hmm. Uh, can we talk about keyboards? Let's do it. It, it. There comes a time in every person's life when uh, they must make the walk of uh, yeah. uh, the travel. Sorry, the travel. Yeah, the, to the, the keyboards. The Cortex, the Cortexans, they got to me. So it just started as like a couple of questions through our, our Scortex and then some follow-up was sent to me and now I am like deep into mechanical keyboard land. So I currently own two mechanical keyboards. I own a WASD keyboard, which I, I really like. It was the first one that I bought uh, and I learned a lot. Like I learned that what switch I like, I like cherry brown switches because they've still got some clickiness, but it's not a lot of force. It's like the least amount of force to apply. So it doesn't really uh, cause me any strain in my hands, right? So Because like, like, you know, you can you can really go for it. And plus, I don't want it to be too loud. I just like a little noise. Um, I liked the WASD keyboard because you could basically customize every single key to be the color that you wanted. And I got like some wild colors. Mm-hmm. Um, but I bought a keyboard without arrow keys. I wasn't really paying attention. I didn't really think about it. Mm-hmm. And I hate that. Uh, I love the keyboard and it's possible to use arrow key. Like you can hold down a little function key and use uh, like, I think it's like mm, the I, J, K and L, I think. So it's like instead of the arrow keys, like on the keyboard, which is fine, but it just doesn't work properly for me. Like, But I do love that keyboard. Then I bought an Ergodex keyboard, which is a split mechanical keyboard. So that it splits in half, which is like the keyboard that I use on my Mac all the time, which is the uh, Microsoft Sculpt, right? Like it has the split in the middle, which is it feels good to me. Yep. And the Ergodex keyboard is really nice, but I'm I'm really trying to get used to it because a lot of the keys are unprinted. And you are supposed to assign, you could use like this web tool and then you have to like plug it into your computer and like you flash the firmware. You assign what you want the keys to do, which is fine because you can kind of customize it the way that you want. But I can then not remember (laughs) what all the keys do, uh, which is a problem of of its own. And there's ways to fix that, like buying different keycaps, right, to replace the, uh, the blank keys 
which is good. But then I'm into the keycap world, right? Where now I'm like, where do you buy keycaps? And I see a lot of keycaps that I really like the look of, but then they're these like group buy things and it's like they're either sold out or it's like you'll wait for like six months. And it's like a whole thing. And then you, and then I asked you what keyboard you're using and you're using the Keychron keyboard. And now I'm looking at those and they look really interesting and they have a Kickstarter campaign coming up for another new one that they're making. I am like, deep into this mechanical keyboards are just like a great thing to follow on instagram like i follow a ton of just like these companies making tiny keyboards and and little key it's just like beautiful it's it's somebody the reason that this got to me is someone said this is probably would satiate mike in the way that pens does and it's very similar it, like to, to to like the the type of pens that I buy, like you can get exactly what you want, and you can have them made in certain ways, and they're all nice and colorful in the ways that you want. Like it's uh, that's where I am. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. So I've been there. I've been where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, the like part of the exploration is figuring out what you like and what you don't like. So like I got a. I got a WASD key- keyboard, and um, uh-huh. because they do let you order custom keycap sets, you can order your keyboard with ke- uh, custom keycaps, but you can also just like get custom printed keycaps, and they are they are good, and they have like a you can build your own key layout in Illustrator, and then put it in there, and they will print them out, and they will send them to you. So that you can spend a lot of money on that stuff, and that's fun. Um, although what I learned is that the keyboard that from them that I bought. It's got the um, it's got it's wider because it's got the arrow keys and the, like the home and end keys and they're off to the side. Yeah, and uh, this is why I say it's important to learn what you like because I've learned I don't like that. I want a much narrower keyboard than that, so I don't use that keyboard at all essentially at this point. But I do use that um, that the keyboards that I told you about, and actually, you know, I've been using a couple of them. Um, the the Keychron K2, I think. And there's another one that I've been using that's very similar. And, uh, you know, so that that's your first step, right? Is like, you said, oh, this little keyboard is really great. And then you got it and you're like, oh, there's no arrow keys. And I've had people send me keyboards and they're like, this looks great. You'll love this. And I look at it and I'm like, no arrow keys, deal breaker. And they're like, but you can use a modifier key. It's like, nope, nope. I, I have learned this about myself that I am not there so you're getting there right you you part of this journey for you is learning what not to do with your keyboard do you have have anything else you've learned from from that journey or or is do we just we just know about the arrow keys the arrow keys is the main thing that i've learned uh my love of rgb remains i love rgb i just think it's amazing i I love to just have my keyboard lit up in a bunch of weird and wild colors and the ergodex has that um, and I just, it's just fun. I, I just like the fun of it, right? Like to look down at my keyboard. Sometimes it's like, there's a rainbow there. It's like, oh, how lovely, right? Like I like that kind of yeah. thing. And I've, I've also learned that like, this is, it's like just this fun little thing. Cause I can end up I, I, really ultimately what I want to do is, is build a keyboard. Cause like you can really go with this. And I think that would be a fun thing to aim towards one day, like getting all the parts and building one. And that it's like a whole different thing, right? But uh, I'm I am enjoying going down this rabbit hole. So I'm basically saying this that like upgradients. If you have things that you think I should be looking at in the custom keyboard world, the mechanical keyboard world, please tweet them at me because I would like to see them. All right. Um, so the other keyboard that I like is the Vortex Race Three, which I wrote about, um, which is similar. It's got I think real cherry switches, whereas the um, Keychron is uh, Gateron. They're like knockoff cherry switches. They don't feel quite as good, but they're good. 
my other recommendation so wasd is great because you you can get them to make anything for you um i recommend uh reddit the mechanical keyboard subreddit um there's stuff in there that is good i recommend um mass drop mechanical keyboards it that's one of the group buy things but there are key sets that come up on there that are really great if they match the keyboard that you're using and so i think i keep an eye on that and i've ordered a couple of things from mass drop uh in mechanical keyboards um ebay believe it or not there's a lot of mechanical keyboard stuff on eBay. I've been trying to find it. There's a really good store on eBay, but I can't find its name right now um, that that sells a bunch of different um, keyboard layout stuff. And their, their storefront is on eBay, but I yep. can't find their name right now. But if you search for uh, whatever kind of things you're looking for, you will find a lot of keycaps and stuff. If you search I found for... a lot on Etsy as well. Yeah. Like just... I didn't buy anything, but I was just like poking es- around. Especially if you're looking for custom keycaps, um, there are a lot of custom keycaps on yeah. uh, on eBay, and uh, and then yeah, Instagram. Uh, as as mentioned by Joe Steele in the chat room, uh, there are a bunch of keyboard companies that are on Instagram, so you can follow yep. Pimp My Keyboard, which I've ordered from, and uh, Joe linked to Originative Co on. Um, on uh, Instagram. So there's there's a bunch. You can fall down deep, deep, deep down that rabbit hole if you want to. I, I am not looking for keyboards right now. <laughs> I've got two really good keyboards that basically um, that I love. I will probably at some point here feel that pull of like, could I get another color set and replace the keycaps? Because that's fun. Um, I think I... I, I um, was writing on my iPad this week with the Vortex Race 3, which is why I, I actually couldn't find that, that cord. I was trying to find like my USB-C to micro USB to hook this because it's not a Bluetooth keyboard. It's just a wired keyboard, and I couldn't find one, and I, I finally found an adapter, and I used that instead. It feels great, though. It's a really great keyboard, and it looks great, um, But and I like its keycaps better than the, the ones on the the keychron which of course immediately makes me think maybe i could get new keycaps for the keychron and then it's like man don't do that to yourself but maybe we'll see oh i'm just looking at loads of stuff now i, I really like this, this is all as a for me hobby. this is all joshua topolsky's fault because he tweeted out a picture of this micro keyboard that he had with this amazing weird yellowy old school layout and i, I was like what is that and he said, "Here's the rabbit hole. Enjoy." <laughs> that was the yep. end for me. That was that was that was it. But the result is that I got a keyboard that I really like. So you mm-hmm. know, it's it's not bad. All right, today's show is also brought to you by Booz Allen. Modern, modernizing for the future is a challenge, especially for large organizations. You may need to integrate legacy systems with new technology. You may need to incorporate AI and analytics to work more efficiently and make fast decisions. And everyone needs new ways of thinking to move to what's next, whether for government or commercial goals. Booz Allen understands and they're helping some of the world's largest organizations to modernize. They, un- they understand the missions of government and industry and, they need, and the need to adapt to constant change. They provide open source solutions so clients can integrate innovation from anywhere, whether from visionary startups or major contractors. Plus, they're helping clients power new technologies of analytics because security is everybody's priority. They integrate their capabilities with intelligence-grade cybersecurity. With Booz Allen, integration means putting you in control of innovation. Integrate, innovate, get it done with Booz Allen. Learn more at boozallen.com slash relay. That is boozallen.com slash relay. We want to thank them for their support of the show.
Should we do some hashtag ask upgrade questions? Let's do it. Is that the lasers have just shot out the letters on the Hollywood sign? Oh no. Oh no, it looks terrible over there. Uh, Greg asks, How do you sync your audio when you both record separately? I've been thinking about doing a podcast of a friend, but wondering how you sync the show up for easy editing. First off, first and foremost, yep. episode 200 of Upgrade. <laughs> right. Right, that's right. the index, like a little footnote there. Always mm-hmm. listen to that. It, we talk in mm-hmm. detail about how we do podcasts, but I'll give you the short version, which is both of you record your end, but one of you ideally is recording your end and maybe both of you and the person on the other end on a separate file or a separate track. And the yep. easiest way to do this is to use Skype call recorder from Ecamm software with Skype easiest way to do it you can use audio hijack there are lots of other tools skype call recorder will record your voice and the other person's voice on separate tracks you can export them later and that's great because if you're recording your voice and the other person's voice at the same time you can lay those down in your editing you know in GarageBand or logic or ferrite or wherever you want and then you get your friend's file and you line your friend's file up so it's exactly at making the sounds at exactly the same time as the one that you recorded on your computer you can visibly see it and then you've got that reference so the reference track whether it's just one person or multiple people the reference track is the most important thing you can do a three to one clap kind of thing um but i don't think you need to um and the other tip i'll use is when you're lining up tracks to get them to match if you don't have a reference track um people start recording at all sorts of times but they tend to all end recording at the same time so line up the Mm, end nice not the beginning but that's that's the way and then there are syncs you can do and if there's drift in the recording where they're lined up at the beginning and then by the end they're off by a little bit you just kind of snip and slide it a little bit halfway through and get it to be could it be close but the short version is just have a reference track and and line up your files to that and my additional tip is don't just line it up once because uh, it's a thing called audio drift yeah. so the the audio can get out of sync again later on depending on how long you record so keep the skype reference track in your audio project and as you're editing through make sure that it's continuing to match you might need to adjust it a little bit here or there this is something that you and i do differently i don't keep the track in there but what i do is after i lined it up at the beginning i go to the end and hear if it's lined up and if it's not lined up, what I'll do is I'll, I'll go through maybe every 15 or 30 minutes, I'll split the clip and line it back up and then move ahead and then split it again and line it back up and deal with the drift that way. Um, but once I've got it where I feel like everybody's matching the reference track, I delete the reference track because I don't want to deal with it. Like, I don't want to account for it. Either way. I keep, the reason I keep the reference track is in case I mess up something in the edit and get it out of sync myself, which I have done many times. Uh, and then that keeps it in there so I can then get it back into sync again. But it doesn't matter. Uh, however you edit it, edit it your way, but you want it, that's the way that you do it. That's the way that we make sure that we line things up is that we keep the reference track. Plus, it's good to have in case something goes wrong with somebody's audio. And then you also, I mean, you have it's yes. only Skype. Yeah, right? it's you your backup. have a recording. Mm-hmm. Yep. Gary wants to know, what was your top song from 2019 in your Apple Music replay? Okay, so I, I went and looked at this. And my number one song was a song called My Honest Face by Inhaler, um, which is a fun song. I sent I, I do not know this. I sent it to a bunch of my friends who like you too. So like um, John uh. Syracuse and Merlin. And I said, whoa, these guys sound like they've listened to those early U2 albums as much as we have. Only yesterday, in preparation for this podcast, did I look up who Inhaler is and was amused to know that this band that sounds a lot like early U2, their lead singer, 
is Bono's son. So <laughs> I'm sure he's heard a lot of you two and sounds a lot like Bono because wow. it's Bono's son. I had no That's wild. No idea. But if you like um, you know, Boy and War and the, the early U2. Check out My Honest Face by Inhaler. It is like a, a tribute oh God, to early so U2. It sounds great. Jason, that's hilarious. I, had I love no that so much. idea. Now, my number two in the list was Bags by Clara, which is actually my favorite song of 2019, but uh, she didn't make it to number one for some reason because I, I guess I played that song, My Honest Face, a lot, too. Uh, my my favorite song uh, was by is Overnight by Maggie Rogers. Which, I mean, this song was my number one, but like my top 10 songs of the year is just full of Maggie Rogers. Like her album is just incredible. It's just unbelievable. I have a Maggie Rogers story here, which is also really okay. funny that I, that I just realized on Friday. So on Friday, I was listening because I keep playlists of like my favorite songs of the year. And mm-hmm. Friday, I was listening to Love You For A Long Time by Maggie Rogers. And I thought, I really love this song. Um, I need to look up maggie rogers and see what other stuff she's got because maybe i should listen to other stuff from her and i found first off one of my favorite things that happens in the streaming music era where i'm picking up songs here and there just based on their appearances in various playlists is i discover Mm -hmm. later not that they're related to somebody from you too although sometimes that happens but i discover later that i've actually liked several of this person's songs but -hmm. didn't know it was the same person and that's always a great sign like after the fact it's like oh this person's music really works for you you should explore them further and that's happened to a bunch of artists and I found with Maggie Rogers that in addition to Love You For A Long Time, um, she had the song Light On, which was also in the playlist oh, because I really yeah. like that song. At which point I finally uh, read up on her history and discovered that ver- that viral video where she plays her yep. song Alaska for Pharrell Williams and he starts to yep. cry because it's so good and he has nothing to teach her about being a musician <laughs> other yep. than keep doing what you're doing, which was really great. So I've added her album now to my library and I- I'm, I'm going to listen to it so she's great her, her the the album that she put out uh i think it was i think it was last year it was at the very end of 2018 but i tw- heard it in a past life is just absolutely wall-to-wall incredible like if yeah. you have not listened to that album you should listen to that album because it is absolutely fantastic it's a great like, example too of somebody she was born she she grew up in in rural um like title maryland and uh, spent a lot of her formative life with. She was born in 1994. She's she's pretty young. Um, w- around folk music, and she was like mm-hmm. a banjo player. And then she comes to NYU and is um, in their you know creative arts program, basically their music program, the Clive Davis School. And you can hear her folk music background and her, you know, in in her music, but but it's modern music. Like she she is synthesizing this classic kind of folk music, and then taking it to a completely different place. Which is that's what makes a, somebody a great musical artist. So yeah, I, it was great that I saw her in your list here because I just was uh, digging in on her on Friday because uh, I like her a lot. Uh, my my other like the top list is also dominated by Vampire Weekend's most recent album which I absolutely loved. It, it features um, Danielle, I think it's Danielle Heim from the band Heim, Heim who's yeah. also one of my favorite. Mm-hmm. Like she's on like three or four of the songs. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. I'll that have album. to check that out because I like, I like that Heim That album is like, it's an absolute return to form for Vampire Weekend. Far from the Bride is the name of the album. 
that was my most listened to album of the year. I, it's funny how time works. It's like most of the songs are Maggie Rogers, but I'm listening to the album, but whatever. Uh, yeah, but fine. yeah, that they're, they're my two, they were my two favorite albums of last year. Um, I also loved False Alarm by Tudor Cinema Club. So there's more recommendations for cool. you if you want them. Marcello asks, do you use multiple volumes in your internal uh, Mac boot disk? Uh, one for system, other for documents or whatever, or do you just use one big volume? And are there any pros or cons to one method over the other? After reading about, oh, I forget who it was now, um, somebody's uh, approach to photos, I actually have finally embraced APFS. And so I have, well, first off, one for system, one for documents. Catalina means that you have a volume for system. Like Catalina enforces that you have a volume for system. It's called the name of your volume space dash space system, I think. Right. <laughs> like right. that's that's everybody gets that now in Catalina. But I also have an APFS volume called um, Photos that has a maximum size. And the idea here is that all these APFS volumes share space. You don't have to like commit 10 gigs over here and then you don't get that 10 gigs anywhere else. They all share space, which is great. Mm -hmm. um, but you can enforce a quota. And what that means is I've got my photo library set to, um, you know, only download what it needs. It's not syncing the whole library because it won't fit on my SSD. Um and those, but as it's downloading what it needs, it's waiting until it gets to a certain percentage before it starts deleting stuff. So it'll fill up a lot of your drive before it'll start deleting stuff. And the tip that I got from somebody who I can't remember now, sorry about that, is uh, is make a photos volume, give it a quota, a maximum size it can be, and then when it reaches near ten percent of that, it'll it'll start deleting files, and it won't expand to fill all the space on your hard drive. And so I am doing that, and that's the first time I've done something like that. But that's it. I don't. I don't do a lot of partitions. I generally just kind of want everything in one place. Yeah, I don't. I don't do anything like that. I just. I feel like I would start to lose track of where everything was being kept, and then it would just become more of a problem. I, I would me. say that now with APFS, this is a great time to do that if you're a kind of person who wants to do these partitions because they don't steal the space and that's huge right again you don't want to have uh this oh god why did i make that partition uh you know 50 gigabytes because i need i really could use another 30 gigabytes now and it's over there it's empty but i'm over here like apfs that doesn't happen so uh it's much more kind of free but i never did because i i, I don't need more places to look for stuff and in the end it's one logical volume so it doesn't it's it's literally one disk so it kind of doesn't matter but uh with a photos thing i'm trying that and that's actually pretty cool all right, and our final question today comes from Brian. Do you use your left modifier keys or right modifier keys more often? And do, do you think it aligns with your general handedness? Oh, Brian. Brian. I told Brian on Twitter that this was a good question, and I have a, a little bit of a weird answer, too. I discovered um, that I always use the left command key. Always. Yep. I never use the right command key. The, the right command yep. key, the right control. Somebody was talking because there was a keyboard, back to keyboards. There was a keyboard that didn't, uh, what was it? It was, they had moved, oh, it was, there was a keyboard that um, had a little tiny uh, command key or control key and they had moved it like one was only on one side and not the other. Mm -hmm. And I realized the first moment I used this keyboard, I can't use this keyboard because this keyboard prioritizes this uh, right 
command key or control key or whatever and not the left one and everything i do um and as somebody pointed out in this twitter thread all the good stuff like command s command q command a those are all over there on the left side of the keyboard anyway and yeah if i want to print something my left thumb goes down on the command key and my right index finger or middle finger goes on the p i do not switch to the right command key and then with my right hand do command p i i can't explain it I can't explain anything about how I type. I'm a self-taught typist. I type fast, but I don't type conventionally. I just taught myself. It's not a system you learn. It's a system I made up. And I can't explain the the command key other than maybe it goes back to when I had an Apple II and there was like the open Apple key and the closed Apple key and they were different. I don't know. The answer is my left thumb does it all. So I was trying to pay attention to what I'm doing and the only the only like real patterns that I'd learned is that I use the left command key most often. The reason that I think I do this is because most of the shortcuts that I want to use command for are located on the left side of the keyboard. Yeah. So like that's, command A, command C, that's command where all B. the good ones are, yeah. Right? So like I'm used to doing that. And I use the right shift key the most because I a lot of the time when I'm using shift, I'm selecting things. And the arrow keys are on the right hand side, so oh. they're the only two that I've noticed that like I was using those consistently in that way. I I use the shift on the on the left side most of the time. I, I'm yeah. I think there are times if I'm I, I think if like I'm capitalizing a letter on the left side, maybe I use the right shift key. But I for the most like using arrow keys to select stuff, I don't use like a finger of my right hand to hold down shift while I also use my right hand for the arrow keys. I do not do that. I I'm using the right hand for the arrow keys and the left hand for the shift key. This is surely there have been like uh, graduate student theses written on on keyboarding methods, right? Where they just photograph people using their keyboards and come up with like what the different populations are about that. But uh, it's a great question, Brian, because it's it's super weird, right? It's and and I don't think it even has to do with left handed or right handed because I'm right handed and you're no. left handed, and we both use the left command key. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I when I saw this question, I was like, "That's a silly question, Brian. Nobody does that." And then I was like, paid attention to it. I was like, "Oh, I do. <laughs> I have ways that I work." So, great question, Brian. Brian Hamilton. Yep. Thank you. If you would like to send in a question for us to answer on a future episode, send out a tweet with the hashtag #AskUpgrade, and it will be uh, sent into a list, which may be included later on. Um, I want to thank our sponsors again for the support of this show: this ExpressVPN, Hello, and Booz Allen. If you want to find Jason online, he is at Jasonell, J S N E W L. I am at iMike, I M Y K E. Uh, this show is a part of Relay FM. You can find this show and many more at relay.fm/shows. You can find Jason's writing online at sixcolors.com, and of course, Jason uh, hosts shows over at theincomparable.com as well. So you can get your fix for all of the pop culture stuff that you love in your life. There is something at the incomparable for you. Uh, thank you so much for listening and we'll be back next time I think we have a bit of a special episode planned for next time right I don't know if we want to give it away but we can tease it we're working on something fun for the next week yeah I think we're in serious danger of doing a draft next week with a special guest so Mm -hmm. there is no Apple event that we're aware of no this is a this is a historical draft Mm -hmm. out of canon Uh, but we'll be back next time until then say goodbye Jason Snell goodbye Mike Hurley enjoy Hollywood thank you (laughs) 